Morning, church. Great to see you. As uh, Robbie introduced, and I think you saw me up on the screen as well, I'm Mark. I'm the lead pastor here. We've been for about six weeks now. And if I haven't met you, make sure you come and say hello. It's been great to be back. I think Robbie alluded to this, that uh, I was uh, here back in the early 2000s. I'm going to share about that a little bit later. But I was here for about 16 years, about 14 years on staff. And uh, the last five, my wife Amy and I, we've been um, in Melbourne, and uh, we were working at a role uh, affiliated with the Q Baptist Church. We had a student accommodation right next door. When I say we, they now, we's here. Um, they had a, a student accommodation uh, right next door to the church. And uh, 50 students uh, lived there uh, for 38 weeks of the year. These students are from all over Australia, mainly country Victoria kids. They lived there for two years. And as a family, we lived on site. And uh, it was a great role. We did that for five years, and uh, for 38 weeks of the year, we would be, it would just be like school camp or, or young adults camp every night of the week. So at dinner time, we had a chef, and he, would, he was there and cooking food during the day, and then we'd sit in the dining hall. I think we got a photo there. Um, so that, for our first week, we came with really great expectations of just gathering together and just hanging out. But on our second night, I think it was, uh, we were rudely surprised when all of a sudden at dinner, people started throwing peas. So someone starts throwing peas. Next minute, someone at another table is throwing peas. Next minute, there's just peas and water and food. Just out of the blue, we're sitting there as a family with these students in a new community. And all of a sudden, there's a food fight going on. And it just went bad and someone slipped over and had a blood nose and there was just food going everywhere. My son Sam, who was about four at the time, he ran home crying. My daughter Briar, when we chatted to her later, she was pulling, uh, pulled a pea out of her ear. She got peppered with peas. And my son goes, Dad, I don't want to go out and eat anymore with the students. And in my head, I'm thinking, what have we walked into here? This place, is, this place is crazy. So I won't go into what happened afterwards, but I got a reputation as the manager who banned stuff. So I banned the food fight, that was sort of word, but also, which seemed to be more controversial, because also they had a water dispenser and a cordial dispenser. And I thought, come on guys, we don't need to be drinking cordial anymore. So it seemed to be that me banning cordial was more controversial than the food fight. So I had a reputation as the manager who banned stuff. That was, the, that was my start. Today's message is about Hezekiah, who also had to ban a few things. And we're going to read about that today. The thing is, he doesn't ban food, food fights, or, or red cordial, which I did. For Hezekiah, the worship of God and relationship with God was important to him, was central to him. And, but it wasn't the case for the other kings. And if you've been following along in our series, uh, you, that you know that in the story of uh, kings, the story of chronicles, there's good kings and bad kings. Today, we're going to look at a good king and his name is Hezekiah. The thing is, in the culture, in the community he was a part of, the, the, there was many of those who might have believed in God, but their actions, the way that they did things was very different. The, the thing is, the king before Hezekiah did not follow God and God's ways. And as well, the close neighbours, those in the north, uh, they had also um, not followed God and they had just recently been dramatically exiled, relocated, ripped out of their homes, 
by the Assyrian Empire. And it says in the, in the text, it says, The people of Israel persisted in all the evil ways of Jeroboam. They did not turn from the sins of idolatry. Hezekiah had seen and he had heard stories of what had happened prior to him becoming king, of how those who had rejected God, what had occurred. But Hezekiah was different. He wanted to worship God and he wanted to see his community do the same. And he was willing to do whatever it takes. And he wasn't going to wait around to do that. He was only 25 when he became king and he didn't muck around at all. Even though it was the status quo at the time, just to live this certain way, Hezekiah was different. He led differently. Today, I want to talk about three things as I unpack the life of Hezekiah. It's important as we examine these that I would argue that I I believe it's relevant for us today in 2022. So it wasn't the status quo at the time to follow God. And and, uh, we're going to uh, read about that uh, in a second. In the uh, text, uh, which I'm going to read to, but I'm going to just read a quote, which I find quite interesting. Because this question that I want us to look at today is what is important to you? Do you have a desire to worship God? To worship God and build your life around Him? Do you desire to see others also live according to God's ways? Or is it easier to just go along with the crowd, to fit in with the status quo? Is it completely unrealistic in this day and age that we put God first and follow His ways? There's an author, uh, John Tyson, he's a pastor in New York. He used to live in Sydney and he's been pastor in New York for about 20 years. And he wrote a book called Beautiful Resistance. And he says, should we just give up and capitulate to the powers of our time? Should we sit by while our faith is taken captive by political and ideological forces? Should we avert our eyes while mammon wreaks havoc on our hearts? Should we watch 20 million young people leave the church in our generation? A million a year give up on faith. Is it possible to build community in such a way that though it is small, generations to come will look back on our faithfulness in a generation of compromise? Like I said from the start, we're in a series based on the book of Kings and Chronicles in the Old Testament. Most of the kings didn't live up for God, live for God. They didn't entrust God, especially when they were faced with challenges, when they were faced with, a, with a, where they were exposed to things that were unexpected. And we see that leads to destruction and tragedy. The thing is, Hezekiah was unlike other, other kings that had gone before him. Hezekiah's life is marked on history as significant. So firstly, let's look at what did Hezekiah do? What did he do different? Well, straight away, straight off the bat, we read in 2 Chronicles 29, it says, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. And that's not his real father. That's King David, a father from the same line. But it's important. He knew the story of David and what he had done. And he did what was right. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. 
You might ask, why did he do this? Why does it even matter? And what does it mean for us? Why? Because he lived for God and he encouraged those people that he led to do the same. And he understood that as a king and as a leader at the time, his actions matter. He did what was right and his actions lined up with that. For us today, what does that mean for us today? Removing idols is what Hezekiah did. Not just hiding them under the bed to get them out again at another day. He goes full Hulk smash on the idols. He destroys them. You know, sometimes we need a little bit of a shake up as we can easily live our lives, say certain things, act certain ways because it's just easier because that's the way things have always been done around here. Sometimes we need to tear some things down and maybe God wants us to be the one to do that. Sometimes we need to be open to challenge the status quo. What is seen maybe is the way things were done. And that is the feedback that I got when I was managing the student residence. When I chatted to the leaders, they said to me, but that's just the way things are done around here. We just, we've always had food fights. That's just the culture. Well, it mattered to me that our family didn't want to eat with that great community. And they, they are a great community. And we had such a great, rich time with those guys. It really mattered to me. It mattered to me that that connection at the dinner table all of a sudden was hijacked by a food fight and by what the students thought was fun. I was calling foul on the culture and those leaders who shaped it. And the amazing thing is, over time, uh, we saw some significant change and the food fight stopped. The first point tonight is this whole concept which we see in the life of Hezekiah is to rebuild or re-establish the practices of God. There was a repurposing. Hezekiah begins his leadership in a time where the people are not prioritising God. So what does he do? He tears some things down. He rips some things down. Their focus, their priority wasn't on God. So he changes things. We read this in 2 Chronicles 29. It says in the first month of the year, First year of his reign, he didn't muck around. He opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. And then it also says in 2 Kings 18, when talking about Hezekiah, it says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him along the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord. And did not stop following him. He kept the commands of the Lord had given Moses and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory. He opens the church and encourages people to worship God. This rebuild, this rebuild's important. It was based on just not opening the church, going, hang on, we're going to open up the church. The people will come. He models this. And I love what it says. It says, he held fast onto God. And the temple was the place to hold fast onto God. He opened the church, things were repaired. And he said, this is where we gather, guys. This is where we hold fast onto God. 
Is that a way you could describe your life right now as you sit there? Are you someone that holds fast to God? I reckon it's a good image for us today. I would say there are a lot of things you can hold onto in the world. But when we hold on to God, I believe God also, also takes a hold of us. He takes a hold of us as individuals, but also takes a hold of us as the church. I know for me, when I rocked up here in my early 20s, I didn't have a church background, grew up in Geelong, uh, went to Belmont High, uh, didn't grow up in church at all. My dad was uh, involved in a football club, so grew up where he was a footballer, played for St Kilda, coached St Kilda. I wanted to be just like him. I wanted to also play AFL footy. So in my early 20s, with um, two knee reconstructions, I was living with my uh, girlfriend at the time. I was a young dad and I was not in good shape. Uh, I was invited uh, to church because God had started doing stuff in my life. I started to, to inquire and I was curious about God and Jesus and all of this stuff. And I rocked up here in my early 20s with a mate and I sat up the back and I watched and observed church. Uh, and in that moment, uh, I as coming here and having conversations, God started to rebuild. When I opened my heart to Jesus and I started to... Uh, Surrender over to him, there started to be a significant rebuild. So thankful for that time. So thankful. Oh man. I love, I love what Jesus says when we rebuild our lives on him. He says it in Matthew 7, verse 24. He says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Is your life on a firm foundation? The foundation being God? Or is it a bit wobbly? Is it a little bit you're tossing here and there? Are you distracted? Do you need, even today, and I have an opportunity later when we pray that you need to say, yeah, God, I want to take a hold of you. Maybe it's something that you haven't done ever before or maybe it's something you haven't done for a while. I'd love for you to join with me when we pray shortly. Taking a hold of God, allowing Him to take a hold of you. Hezekiah's value is so based on his own relationship with God. What he wants the people to do, he starts himself. It's evident. He puts God above everything else. This is evidence in the fact he wasn't afraid to go against what everyone else was doing. Even the way he's, what his father had done before. He was a good king and God was important to him. He wasn't willing to compromise, conform, people please, fit into a mould, just go along with what everyone else had been doing at the time. You might ask, what does holding fast to God look like? It's a great question. As you may be here feeling, yeah, I do need to rebuild my life. Well, I encourage you, even this morning, start by holding fast to God. And you might say, okay, what does that actually look like? What do you mean, hold fast to God? Well, we're going to read about Hezekiah in a second. But I was actually, we just 
as mentioned, moved house. And sometimes when you move house, you find old stuff. Sometimes that old stuff, you think, we need to ditch that uh, because that's, I don't know why I keep that. <laughs> I don't know if you've had that experience before. But I, I found some of my old journals and I, I found something and I thought, you know what? As I mentioned earlier, when I came along here in my early 20s with uh, no faith background and I just looked back and, and found a journal and I, I think, well, you know, what does holding on to God look like? This is a pretty old journal, as you can see. I don't know what I was thinking back then. I think it was my, to be my young daughter's uh, little book that I picked up. But anyway, uh, I write this. I say, so here I am journaling after 24 hours, feeling like I want to throw it all in, feeling under attack. I'm going to continue in God. I thank you, God, for your incredible and questionable grace as I sit here today and allow you to fill my soul. God, I am in love with you. I declare my adoration, devotion and surrender. I give over to all of my fears. I trust you, God. I am a child of you. I don't want to fear anymore. Thank you, God. What does it look like for you? For me, when I came to faith, just writing a small little prayer in a kitty little journal was holding on to God. What does that look like for you? For Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles 29, it says, When the offerings were finished, the king and everyone present with him knelt down and worshipped. King Hezekiah and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the words of David and Ozaph the seer. So they sang praises with gladness and bowed down and worshipped. Hezekiah. In a time where things had been done a certain way, people's attitudes and actions were going a certain direction. He re-established, he repurposed, he rebuilt what was important, which is on the worship, a priority of worshipping God. In prayer, rooted in prayer, Privately, we see Hezekiah do this. He prays by himself. We see that. Whatever that looks like for you, it might be journaling. It might be grabbing someone. It might be uh, praying with someone. Whatever that looks like. This is what Hezekiah does. He does that with the prophet Isaiah. We see him organise prayer worship sessions. We've got them here. You can come along. There's one tomorrow night. It's also mentioned in another passage in Hezekiah that he was the one who reinstitutes the national holiday for a Passover, those important moments, the coming of together of God's people, worshipping and remembering what God has done, remembering His promises, lifting up God. So we understand today from our first two points, Hezekiah, he bans, he tears down things that are not important, refocuses, reprioritises himself And then the community to say, hey, we're doing this together. Hezekiah and his community. It's simple. He reopens the temple. He reorganises the community, refocuses everyone on God as a rebuild. This all sounds good. Let's go home. Sounds simple, doesn't it? All right. What happens next? Hmm. There's an invasion about to happen. The threat of an invasion. We know now it doesn't actually happen yet. It does happen a little bit later. But 
there's a threat of invasion. And like I said, the Northern Kingdom has just been taken over by the Assyrian army. They're powerful. They're a very successful army. They're on the march, they're at the doorstep of this nation. This powerful army to repeat what they know what to do, which is destruction to, and plunder, to move these people on. How does a leader respond under a crisis, under stress, under where things, oh no, what am I going to do here? Do, how about we divert to the way things were done in the past? He doesn't. Brings the people together and they pray. And I love what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. It says, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cry out in prayer to heaven about this. It's what they've been doing. It's what they know to do. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the commanders and the officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. This is the king of Assyria. And when he went into the temple of his God, some of his sons, his own flesh and blood, cut him down with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others. He took care of them on every side. Many brought offerings to Jerusalem for the Lord and valuable gift for Hezekiah, king of Judah. From then on, he was highly regarded by all the nations." It's a great story when God is at work. What a powerful story when God is at work. And this leads to my third and final point this morning. When the foundation is strong, when there's been a rebuild, repurposed, re-established in God, holding on to God, sometimes there can be threats. Sometimes things can happen. We've got to trust God. We see Hezekiah. What does he do? He cries out to God because that's what he's been doing already. He trusts God. He trusts the foundation. The tearing down, the preparation for when there's a threat, trust God. Hezekiah, just like in the, build, in the rebuild, knows one way. Hold fast to God. He trusts Him. He trusts the foundation. It is a solid rock. Keep holding, folks. Keep trusting. As you sit here this morning, do you need to hold fast today? Or do you feel that your grips may be getting a little bit loose? You feel that it's just struggling. You're weary, you're tired. Has there been something threatening you? A situation, a, a relationship, a, a challenge that's maybe just come back? Hold fast onto God today. Maybe you're just thinking, well, this isn't relevant. Well, I would say be ready. As there may be a time where you need to hold on to God. Maybe you are quite new to this living with God business. Well, I encourage you, whatever it looks like, build a solid foundation. If it's journaling, just writing your prayers, Talking to someone about it, a solid foundation can be found in Jesus. With a foundation is strong, you will be able to stand in the future. The unexpected challenge that you may face or you may be facing now, trust in the foundation. 
For all of us today, I think we need to ask ourselves that question. God, what are you encouraging me in? What are you challenging me in this morning? Where am I in this building stage? To be honest, I know I look at my life, I, I, I still think I'm in the rebuild. It doesn't ever end. There's always that sense of coming before God saying, God, what are you wanting to rebuild? What are you wanting to repurpose? What are you wanting to reestablish? God, I need to hold on to you. I don't know if I can do this lead pastor thing. I don't know if I've got what it takes. I used to be the youth path. I used to be the fun guy around here. I don't know if I can do this. What did I have to do? Hold on to God. Trust Him. Trust what He had built through the years and the time and, and pray and say, God, please help me. I'll ask again, is there something you need to tear down? For me, I had to tear down expectations that no, you can't do this. You're the fun storytelling guy. You know what? I'll still tell stories. Don't you worry about that. But I'm going to trust God that He's called me. And I encourage you today, what is He speaking to you today? What do you need to tear down? What do you need to rebuild? Hold on to God. Start today. He wants to build your life, so hold on to Him. Trust Him with your life now and into the future. I'm going to invite the music team up. Thanks, guys. This morning, I don't know about you, but I'd love to, for us just to use this time as a church is just to pray and recommit ourselves. Just as Hezekiah did back in the day when they gathered in that temple where they just worshipped, where they just had a moment and just said, God, we just come before you. We're going to do that. So let us pray. I might get you guys to stand this morning. That'd be awesome. Yeah, Father God, we just thank You. You speak to us through Your Word. We thank You, God, that You love Your church. And God, You are always bringing us to moments in our life where we just need to surrender and say, God, we trust You. We entrust our lives to You, God. We need to rebuild our lives. And the only way to do that is in You, Jesus. We know You said that even to the disciples and that Sermon on the Mount where You said, trust in the rock, build the solid foundation on You. And Lord, too often we try to go ahead and try to build our lives on things that we think are important. But Lord, even this morning, You bring us back to focus on You. And Lord, we know that God, You pour Your love You pour out Your love and mercy. When we stray, when we go our own way, Lord, You bring us back to a place and Your hands are outstretched for us and Your love and mercy is available. And we thank You for those this morning that just feel that sense of guilt and shame or disappointment or whatever's going on there, Lord. We just pray, come Holy Spirit, bring Your comfort, build something deep in there. And only You can do that, God. So Lord God, we just come before You this morning and we hold firm onto You. And yes, 
There's a bunch of individuals here, but even as a church today, we declare that God, we put You number one. We put You first. And as a church community, we hold on to You, God. We worship You, God. We love You, God. We declare that You are King, that You reign, that You rule. And God, we just say, God, rebuild in us. And we start by holding on to You, God. Holding on to You, God. And we ask for these things in Your Name, Jesus. Amen. Let's worship.